Lowe's knows you'll do it right to find the right gifts for dad this Father's Day. We do it right, too, with deals that'll make dad as proud as his perfectly seared steak and his perfectly manicured lawn. Now get a Charbroil 4-Burner Advantage Series gas grill for just $169 and pick up your choice of Craftsman gas or electric string trimmer for only $99 each. Make this Father's Day his best one yet and do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Charbroil offer valid through 612. Craftsman offer valid through 619 U.S. only. everybody welcome to another edition of roto grinders pga after dark i am your host justin van zuden and we might have a larger audience in real time than normal this week because all the baseball chalk has failed in the first 30 minutes of the tuesday night slate so people might already be taking a look at uh, golf and we've got the world golf championships the last world golf championships event of the year the wgc bridgestone in akron ohio this week uh, might be a different format than a lot of you are used to if you are new to the dfs pga landscape but uh, we will get to that in just a little bit first We'll bring in the two co-hosts for the show tonight. On one side, we have Brian Devonshire. Debo, how are you tonight? Oh, I'm doing just lovely. I played myself a round of mountain golf at Inspiration Flats. Took myself a little piece of, you know, like driving range turf. And that's the tee box, which if you were closest to the hole, you'd have to pick up and carry off to the next hole, which could be a rock or a tree or perhaps that water puddle, you know, in the middle of the road. And then once you're off the tee, it was all rock wedges and hitting out of the sagebrush. Feeling great to handicap some actual golf now. <laughs> well, I, I was uh, regretting not taking a piece of the fescue for myself when I was at Aaron Hills for the U.S. Open, but I figured maybe sirens would go off or something if I touched it. Uh, okay, well, Devo, nice to have you here as usual. And Gib Pollard on the other side. How are you, sir? Good, good, mate. So, Devo, mate, you uh, you were playing Kevin Tway golf, were you? I'm not sure I know that reference. Yeah, off the off the off the rock, off the car. Uh, I believe he was uh, anchoring back to last week when I told the story of how I stepped on Kevin Tway's ah. golf ball on the cart path, and uh, I believe he was trying to give me a little subtle jab there. <laughs> but yeah, everything's good here, mate. Uh, just uh, another another day in paradise. It's uh, getting. Pretty hot over here. Got to coach some little kids soon. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. A bunch of six and seven year olds in about 100 degree heat playing soccer. Nothing for, more fun than that. For those of you who do watch us most of the time in real time, this time has been so ingrained in our brains for a long time that uh, Gib had requested because of those obligations that uh, perhaps we could start 15 minutes early. And we are going to start that next week. So, uh, we usually start at 8 o'clock on the East Coast, 5 o'clock on the West Coast. We are going to move that to 7.45 on the East Coast, 4.45 on the West Coast. Of course, you can still catch it, uh, catch the show on demand anytime, uh, or if you're watching on playback on the Fantasy Network or something like that. Those platforms will not change, and you can always get the content uh, right up until roster lock on Thursday morning on the uh, Roto Grinders site. And I believe they also put it in, a podcast form with no video so you can uh, download it and listen that way uh, if you prefer to not have the video on your phone or what have you so 
Starting next week, we'll attempt to uh, go 15 minutes earlier for the start time. And uh, this past week, for the uh, tournament that's uh, name is the RBC Canadian Open, it was Johnny Vegas repeating as champion with a uh, stunning display over the weekend, uh, winning in a playoff over Charlie Hoffman. So he won the uh, tournament for the second year in a row. Lots of birdies out there last week. Conditions were very scorable. And uh, if you didn't get six out of six through the cut on DraftKings or seven or eight of eight uh, through the cut on FanDuel, it was probably a difficult week to uh, reach the top of those leaderboards, but uh, it was uh, it was nice to see some birdies out there, and we have pretty much the exact opposite this week. So, uh, Gib, how'd the week go for you? Well, Hoffman's uh, birdie on the 72nd hole actually uh, swung me into uh, cashing in all my 50-50s. Um, but, yeah, I had five out of six because uh, – Let's just say the car crack was just a flat-out dick last week. So <laughs> He uh, would end up missing by two strokes or something like that. Yeah, he uh, double bogeyed uh, on the 10th hole on Friday. Had he not done that, and, you know, could have, would have, should have, is, you know, the key to DFS sometimes. But, uh, yeah, yeah, he just parred that hole. He would have made the weekend, and things would have been less sweatish. Or if he wouldn't have... Uh... Uh, oh yeah soiled the bet on thursday that uh, yes might, that, that too as well. <laughs> well we're on to a new week and uh, firestone country club in akron is the host for this world golf championships event and this will certainly be a test especially compared to what we saw a week ago uh, you've got a difficult golf course here one that will challenge every aspect of a golfer's game it's a par 70 layout that measures around 7,400 yards and that's a pretty lengthy layout for a par 70 course. So uh, you're going to see some difficult holes here. There's a lot of par fours that are very long and there's really not a, a break on this golf course. They're one of the par fives does tend to play a little bit easy, but uh, the rest of the course is, is challenging and you'll see the winner oftentimes at this event in the single digits under par. So uh, going to play very much like a major championship kind of test. And if you played last week and saw all those birdies, don't be expecting the same thing again this week so uh, we've also got a smaller field 75 80 golfers for this event so there is no cut uh, everybody's guaranteed four rounds as long as they don't withdraw as daniel berger and brooks kepka and i think possibly someone else did uh, during the first round last year they got their guaranteed paycheck uh, berger got so much flack if you don't remember it from a year ago a lot of people will especially dfs players he hit his tee shot on the first hole and then withdrew from the tournament collected his $50,000 paycheck and uh, called it a week. So uh, the backlash, I believe, was enough from that, that he ended up donating that to, to back to charity. But, uh, you know, everyone's guaranteed four rounds if they don't do something like that. So, uh, Devo, what are you seeing as far as uh, the course and the, uh, the layout in front of us here this week? Yeah, as you mentioned, this course is extremely difficult. 7,400 yard par 70 means you're going to see a lot of par fours that are approaching 450, 500 yards. Uh, they've been playing here forever. It was uh, founded in the 20s, redesigned by Robert Trent Jones in the 60s. A lot of course history, but they redid the eighth and the ninth hole several years ago, so take that into consideration. There's a lot of good golfers here. Um, it's very long, but it does not necessarily favor bombers. It's very difficult, but no stats really kind of pop, except for scrambling a little bit. And the strokes gain stat for sure. Of course, strokes gained approach is going to be very important. Targeting strokes gained around the green. Uh, 
I'm not sure if I'm going off the tee or tee to green. I'm interested in proximity over 200 yards for these long approach shots on the par fours. There's a lot of sand traps out there. Um, I mean, if you look at these history, the, the history of guys who have won here, they're all just really, really, really good. So, I mean, this cream of the crop here, it's 76 golfers we've ended up with after a couple of withdrawals from Snedeker and Keimer. Um, yeah, take it from there. Yeah, and last year I, I was kind of looking back to see uh, the field was a little bit smaller, but that was because uh, the Ryder Cup was coming up. There was the Olympics and the Euro Tour event that was alongside this event, which I believe was the uh, Open de France or something like that. Mm -hmm. so it was not a uh, – the Euro Tour did not co-sanction this World Golf Championships event uh, for the Ryder Cup points. So uh, a lot of guys opted to play over there. So we only saw like 58 or 60 golfers here last year but uh, back into the 70s this time around uh gib what do you got for us on the uh, course well i mean it ranks as one of the easiest courses to like in terms of average driving distance so they're all poking it out there almost uh 300 yards on average so i'm not really looking at distance i'm just looking at potentially those who can control that distance uh, pretty well because accuracy and greens and regulation uh, uh, traditionally one of the more harder uh, to hit for this course. So uh, I'm looking at ball strikers and sort of all-around good players. So other than that, you know, we don't usually have to worry about wind and in non-cut events, but it does look like Friday and Saturday might be the, the two windiest and Thursday afternoon a little bit. So uh, I don't know if uh, that's going to factor in much at all. Yeah, there's just there's no breather on this golf course, so it's uh, it's going to be a challenge for these guys. And you usually see the class guys win it. I mean, Tiger Woods won this what eight times? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's Dustin Johnson's played well here, and uh, you know, there, there's just uh, so many elements that a, a big time golfer and a big hitter can bring to the table here. And you usually see the cream rise to the top in this event. Uh, you hit on the weather there a little bit, obviously kind of early to, uh, to try to, to figure that out. And we've got a smaller field too. So the tee times are a little bit more condensed. Uh, Devo, anything else on the course or stuff in general? Yeah. Dustin Johnson has not played well here. He One last here? year. Yes. But okay. all the other results are pretty abysmal. Fair enough. Well, I saw um, I noticed that he won last year. This course reminds me a lot of Torrey Pines down in San Diego. It's uh, very long and narrow. So I think total driving is a pretty good stat to look at if you want to consider one of the driving stats. Uh, I agree with that. I mean, obviously, distance is very important. And uh, you can, you know, you can hit it a long way. You're at an advantage on a course that has six or seven par fours that are 470 yards plus. Uh, but if you're not playing from the fairway, it's a, it's a challenge in and of itself here, too. So uh, total driving to encompass both the distance and the accuracy piece, I think, is a key uh, for me as well this week. Gib, you got anything else on the course in general here? Not, not, not really. Other than the 16th hole is, what, a 667-yard monster par five? Yeah, that's why, you, I mean, you only get one par five that's, a, that's anything resembling a break. Mm-hmm. And I believe that's the second hole. Yeah. So if your guy starts on the front nine and uh, doesn't birdie the second hole, it might be a long day. Uh, it's worth right. noting that the greens are kind of a break. They're on the large side, over 7,600 square feet on average, and they're not very undulated at all. So 
going to be a pain in the arse making it all the way to the green. But once they get there, it should be pretty smooth rolling. But they, you know, depending on whether they're firm or not, I mean, aren't they rolling usually about 12 and a half to 13 on the stem? So, yeah, I mean, they're usually pretty fast, but mm -hmm. we're expecting a lot of rain every single day. So I expect them to be able to control their speed pretty well. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. And, I mean, those eight to 10 foot par saves are going to be huge this week. So uh, if your guys can uh, make those, it'll certainly help. I, I think, you know, if you want to look at bogey avoidance, this might be a week to do that as well. Uh, the boring guys that can save par with the best of them do get a little bit of a boost on this course. And the finishing position bonus will be interesting this week. It'll make up a larger percentage of the total scores with the uh, lack of, you know, birdies and eagles out there, especially compared to a week ago. So uh, let's uh, dive right into the picks here. Then the uh, top priced guy on DraftKings is Jordan Spieth at 12K. Dustin Johnson, Rory McIlroy, Brooks Kepka, Ricky Fowler, and Hideki Matsuyama check in with the five-figure price tags this week. So, uh, Gib, we'll start with you. Who are you thinking at the top this week? Oh, there's just there's a few question marks uh, amongst uh, some of these top people. You know, you have Jordan Spieth, who is now gunning for the career Grand Slam, just like Rory is when we go to the Masters. So that's hanging over his head for next week. Uh, you know, Rory's coming in with a new caddy, isn't he? He is. Uh, he has axed his caddy, a la Phil. I'm um, not sure what's going on, but uh, guys are not happy with their caddies right now. He has axed his caddy. Yeah, so, you know, Rory's coming in. He's has the opportunity to win another major at a course at, well, you know, at Quail Hollow, where he's won twice before at the Wells Fargo. So, I don't know, maybe he's looking ahead and maybe he's going to be using this time to sort of get some kinks worked out get some rapport going with his new caddy. Dustin Johnson is interesting because, you know, he did play pretty well last week, but, you know, is he going to defend his championship? Um, it seems like this year has been more defending champions winning. Uh, I think it was Justin Thomas at CIMB Classic. Um, uh, Johnny Vegas won last week, and the third one was Hideki. Uh, the waste management usually you don't see too many defending champions successfully defend other than you know ryan moore and a uh was it uh, a guy named tiger woods so mm -hmm. he did that uh, a few times huh he did that yeah. a few times so you know i'm looking at all these names uh brooks kepka does sort of intrigue me a little bit but it's not until i hit ricky fowler that i actually really like it and that scares me a little bit yeah, that, that's a surprise coming from you. I did not expect to see that uh, as your top guy of the week. But uh, the price discount, I, I think, is really interesting. You know, I'm curious about how many people will flock to Jordan Spieth because of his performance at the Open, that impressive final five-hole stretch on Sunday. And, uh, I mean, is he going to be super popular? You can argue for days about the course fit here. Some people think that the course fit is great for Jordan Spieth. Some don't. I mean, his driver has been the most wayward part of his game this year. So I think that is a bit of a concern uh, when you're talking about a course that's going to be a huge penalty for those who aren't hitting it very far or aren't hitting the fairways. Um, you know, and, and we have seen Spieth get a little bit errant off the tee at times this year. So uh, and ownership, I think, is is another factor this week when you've only got 75, 76 golfers. Maybe you leave some salary on the table this week. Uh, and obviously there's going to be concentrated ownership simply because of the smaller field. Uh, Devo, how are you kind of taking that into account as you try to parse through these top guys? 
Well, first off, I don't think ownership is as important in weeks like this because the differential that you gain when you're, you know, a contrarian guy goes off compared to the chalk that did not have the opportunity to miss the cut is greatly narrowed. So I'm approaching this week with a, I want to assemble the best complete six guy lineup who I think is good enough at golf to compete on the world-class level and try to get all six of them in the top 10. If you've got some guy hanging out in the 40th place, you're probably not going to be winning things this week. So if I take any one of these big six, I'm really selling myself short from a lot of these, you know, kind of second tier guys in the eight and nine K range that I think can compete and can litter the leaderboard. And I'd rather take a handful of them than plant my flag on one of these guys above 10 K. Uh, I think that a lot of the cheaper guys in the six and the early seven K range are going to be traps that people fall into this week. So I am fading all the way down to John Rom. Does it concern you with the fact that, I mean, we've seen a lot of elite level golfers win this tournament that, and, and with the finishing position bonus being of relative importance this week, does it worry you to fade all those big guys or you just think that, you know, guys like Rom are capable of, of winning just as well? Yeah, I think that all the guys that I'm going to have in my lineup are capable of winning. It's like, uh, you know, putting together a winning Millie Maker lineup where every guy's going to go off for two touchdowns. Ah, football season is coming. It will be here soon. The preseason starts uh, Thursday, I think, with the Hall yeah. of Fame game. Which is yeah, crazy. I'm just, I'm just worried about like, there's so many cute names that I would have to put into my lineup if I took one of these expensive guys. That you know, they're all good at golfers, but when you compare them to the top 50 best in the world, like. It, it's just a big hill to overcome to find any one of those guys in the top 10. Granted, somebody, several of them are going to do that this week, but I think that the predictive factor there is small enough that I'd rather just go balanced. And I think that most people are going to go the other way and take a stars and scrubs approach, which is probably going to boost the ownership of all these guys just a little bit. I mean, there's enough options and they're all viable enough that I think it'll all get some attention to one extent or another. But I think that's going to leave a void kind of in the average price guys who are probably going to go a little bit under owned as a result. So that's kind of my overall strategy from this week on Tuesday afternoon. I do think the stars and scrubs approach will be popular this week because of that narrative of the high end guys, you know, tending to, to win this tournament. So I do think you see some ownership on Spieth, DJ, Rory, those kind of guys. I mean, Gib, what do you make of the caddy switch uh, for Rory and the fact that, you know, he's just kind of been a little bit off all year, did uh, put together a, a decent performance at the Open, the top five finish. But, uh, I mean, it, what about Rory this week? Well, he's won it before, so obviously he has the ability to win again. But is he really focusing on this one, or is he more – I mean – I you'd have to think that next week is very attractive to him. He's probably going to quail a hole thinking I've, I, I'm going to be really confident in this, this course. Uh, I've won here twice before. I know it like the back of my hand. I'm going to try and, you know, get my caddy and I on the same page this week 
so I can produce uh, at a major, you know, WGC event is all good and fine for, you know, players who maybe haven't won a major before. And that's a nice stepping stone. You know, a, a name like Brandon Grace would actually love to win a, a WGC right now because, you know, that's the next step up from winning a PGA, you know, tour event. But someone like Rory, is he really going to be caring too much about this event compared to winning another major next week at a very familiar course? And I have a feeling he might be looking ahead to, to, uh, to next week as opposed to this week. I could be wrong. You know, it wouldn't be the first time. But that's just the vibe I'm getting right now. Um, so, yeah. The uh, debate with Brooks Kepka, his last two starts have both been majors. He's finished first and sixth, but now carries a hefty price tag. He's about 2000 more expensive at 11.1. Uh, you know, he's proven that he belongs with these names, but it's tough to, to pay that price for him uh, with Fowler being a little bit cheaper. I'm kind of with Gibb. I, I like Fowler this week. He's kind of one of the top guys that I'm going after. He's got four top 10 finishes here at this event in the past. Um, the form is, I mean, it's not top, top notch like uh, with some other guys, but fifth at the U.S. Open, uh, third at the Quicken Loans, 22nd at the Open. So he's been fine. And uh, relative discount, you know, he's 1400 cheaper on DraftKings than speed. He's uh, 1200 cheaper than, than Dustin Johnson. I do think he will be somewhat popular. So if you're looking to fade the ownership in tournaments, uh, I do think Ricky will have some ownership. But uh, the other guys that uh, Debo had mentioned that he's skipping all the way down to John Rahm at 9.7. Uh, Gib, any interest in uh, Hideki or Justin Rose? Well, I mean, if I'm saying that I am looking at ball strikers, it'd be unfair to discount both those two. They're, they're quality elite ball strikers within the world of golf. So I don't mind them, but I do like Ricky and I, and I am with Debo. I, I like John Rahm because... You know, you got four rounds of a guy who's very good at making birdies, hits it a, a, a long way, and he's actually playing pretty good at the moment. So when his confidence is high, I like uh, John Rahm, but, you know, when he starts to get into those lulls, then, you know, his emotions might get the better of him. So, you know, you can't fit them all in. So, you know, I'd probably take a back seat to Hideki and Rose for Ricky and Rahm, but I don't hate those two players. Uh, Devo, you got any other thoughts on, on Rom while we're in the uh, area here? Um, no, like Gibbs said, his ball striking is fantastic. I love his total driving. Uh, he's been struggling around the green and on the green. We all know that on the green is uh, pretty volatile, and the greens are not going to be difficult this week. Uh, the problem with Rom is going to be if he ends up in those bunkers that are all around these big old greens. So hopefully his approach game is on point enough that you won't have to worry about that. I mean, that's what you're really looking for anyways for guys that are going to be in contention in the top 10 with a field like this. So they're hitting bunkers anyways. It doesn't matter how good they are getting out of them. <laughs> Not on your winning lineup. Uh, Rose is pretty interesting to me, except for his recent form on the approach. He's been struggling a lot. I like Hideki a lot. I like him as a leverage play over Fowler. I agree with you guys. Fowler is going to be extremely popular. Isn't this funny? Remember like two years ago when Kepka was the DFS darling because he just crushed everything at strokes game tee to green. That's all we knew about. Yep. Fowler was pretty good at it too, but nobody liked him. Kind of the opposite. But I think Kepka might be a trendy contrarian play this week, which is another reason why I'm just kind of off the whole lot altogether. 
All right, let's uh, go below John Rahm here. We've got Tenrick Stenson at 9.5, Jason Day at 9.4, Kucher at 9.3. I mean, it seems like the, these guys will largely get ignored because, A, a lot of people are going to be going with that Stars and Scrubs approach this week. And, B, I mean, the, the, the form hasn't been great pretty much all year for Stenson. It hasn't been great pretty much all year for Day. And Matt Kucher was dealing with vertigo last week, which kind of scared some people. Still, uh, remarkably, after that uh, second-place finish at the Open, came all the way back to North America, played last week, battled the vertigo, still didn't withdraw from the tournament, made the cut, and had a fairly decent weekend. But, uh, you know, I, I think some people are going to be scared off by the fact that Kucher's played a lot of golf. He is 9,300 in a loaded field. And uh, you, I just don't think you're going to see a ton of ownership there. So... Uh, below Ron there, Devo, is there an, a guy in the uh, vicinity that uh, stands out to you? Yeah, I like Henrik Stenson a lot for the same reasons that I like Ron. Uh, very good beyond 200 yards. Excellent long iron player. And if it turns out that Ron's going to be pretty popular this week, I have no problem pivoting off to Stenson uh, for that all, all that extra leverage. I agree with you that Day and Kucher aren't going to be very popular, not necessarily because of their price or their form. Well, Day is, Day is probably priced about fairly, but his form is still pretty scary. But there's Sergio Garcia and Adam Scott at 9.2 and 8.8K. I think they're both a little bit underpriced, and I think they'll gather a lot of attention. Uh, Sergio did have a wedding that he was the chief dude in <laughs> this week. He was the best and, man? Uh, he would no, no, that was Ricky Fowler. I don't know. Fowler wasn't the best man, but Fowler was in the wedding party. So I, I had a wedding weekend once and I didn't feel good still the next weekend. So <laughs> I think Sergio might be a trap this week. Yeah, I can get down for that, uh, that logic as well. I, I'd be lying if I said it didn't cross my mind. I mean, I struggled a little bit, relatively speaking, at the open, had a couple good rounds in the middle. Uh, 73 on, on Thursday, 72 on Sunday, finished 37th and obviously has had a lot going on since then. So uh, is he going to be 100% focused this week? Is he ready to go? Who knows? I think he's a bit of a wild card and uh, probably prefer other options myself. Uh, Gib, what are your thoughts on these uh, lower 9K options? Yeah, I mean, again, I agree with uh, Diva with Stenson. I talk about a ball striker. He is uh, in total driving. He's usually one of the best in the world, uh, you throw in ball striking as well. He's great. You know, you he, he'll break out the three wood uh, when people are breaking out drivers. He'll get it on the fairways. He'll probably find the greens. You know, his putting is never that great. But you know, if they're not undulated, then you know I, I don't mind Stenson. Remember the last uh, WGC event? He uh, pretty much uh, screwed everyone who rusted him by withdrawing in the first round. So. You know, people, he, he has burnt a lot of people this season. So I don't necessarily think that people will be going back to Stenson. So um, I don't like Day. Uh, Kutcher, his battle with Vertigo does worry me a little bit. Not for the sense of, you know, he's going to be playing, what, four weeks straight. And so something has to give and I could just see him coasting in this one, you know, they're sort of required to be at this event. Um, you know, they do get a lot of pressure to come to these uh, WGC events. So, you know, he's uh, pretty much going to show up. He's going to do his thing. And I have a feeling he's going to coast. 
Uh, Sergio, same deal. It's uh, not until I get to poor Casey that I really start liking uh, the golfers again. And I think poor Casey's been playing out of this world for him. So I really like him. Yeah, I mean, I think Paul Casey makes a lot of sense this week. He might uh, come across as as relatively boring option for some people, but uh, you look at his worldwide form, it's been absolutely fantastic. It's not like he's been winning events, but uh, he's been super consistent over the last couple of months. Seven straight finishes of 30th or better. So, I mean, he's he's been in relatively good form for the better part of those two months. Uh, he's third on the PGA Tour in bogey avoidance. So if bogey avoidance is something you're looking at uh, this week, uh, he certainly pops there. He's fourth in greens and regulation. So if he can find these greens, then uh, obviously going to be in better shape than, than a lot of the other guys. And uh, he's also come 17th and 16th here the last two years. So, And, and they say, you know, experience on this course is, uh, is invaluable. So, I, I mean, everything kind of stands out with Paul Casey. Uh, but especially at that price tag, you know, I don't know how many, how much people are, are really going to you know, talk about him or think about him. That maybe will affect the ownership just a little bit. But uh, I like Casey, Casey a lot this week as well. Uh, Devo, your thoughts on this uh, lower 9K uh, into the upper 8K guys? Yeah, I'm going to thirst you on Paul Casey. That's, uh, that's my guy. I think that Adam Scott's going to be very popular. I think that Sergio is going to be pretty popular. Um, yeah, and I just, I like Casey straight up more in a vacuum. So give me Paul Casey. Let's take a peek at the, uh, projected ownership tool if it's out yet. And I will uh, see where we've got Mr. Casey right now. He is, uh, sitting at 17.8%, which is, uh, towards the upper part. But again, that's not huge in a field like this. Uh, we'll see where that trends as we head toward Thursday. Uh, Brandon Grace, I mean, Gib, you talked about him earlier. Any reason you brought his name up? Do you like him this week, or you just felt like talking about Brandon Grace? I do, actually. Uh, the last four trips to Firestone, he's improved each time he's come here. Last year, it was uh, 10th place, so I think it was something like in the 60s, then 23rd, I think it was like 17th and 10th. Uh, he's coming off an historic round at Royal Birkdale with the 62. So, you know, you got to he, claim, he claims he wasn't aware that that was the yeah. record. Yeah, we we know what that is. I, I don't want to answer that question truthfully, so I'm just going to say I didn't. <laughs> You're taking the politically correct route here, huh? I was yeah. Trying to I was trying I to bait you, but... So, like, yeah, I knew about it. Everyone knows about it. I mean, was he not watching Phil last year? And his one putt that could have got to a 62, it's, yeah. I don't know why he went down that road, but, you know, he could have just said, yeah, it was on my mind. Hmm. <laughs> no one would have thought anything of it. But, you know, he's improved the last three tournaments that he's played. He's gotten better. It, the results have gotten better as they've gone along as well. He's improved uh, in the last four trips to this tournament. So everything's trending in the right direction for Mr. Grace. So let's hope he can be amazing. And uh, he ended up there at the open with a sixth place finish as a result of that big charge on Saturday with that 62 had an even par around on Sunday to uh, stick inside the top 10 there 15th at the Scottish open before that didn't play great at the U S open, but he's ninth at the BMW PGA championship uh, before that as well. So recent form has been okay. And he's generally better on the uh, par 70 tracks. 
Uh, Gib, you talked about uh, um, Stenson burning a lot of people throughout the course of the year. How about Daniel Berger here last year burning a lot of people with that uh, instant withdrawal after teeing off? I can't imagine he's going to do that again. So nah. um, well, he had a legit injury, I think. Well, yes, he 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 did, but that didn't that did not stop the people from getting out the pitchforks. Yeah, um, you know, especially since uh, he brought his significant other with him, and uh, they, you know, enjoyed some time in uh, beautiful Akron uh, for, the rest of the, <laughs> for the rest of the week. Um, but anyway, I, I think he's really interesting this week. I mean, are people still going to be spurned by that? Is that narrative out there enough to where people don't want to play Daniel Berger? Or you know, I, I suppose he might not necessarily be the best fit for the course, and he hasn't really seen it a whole lot. But uh, I don't know. I, the narrative I think is interesting. Well, if people are still spurned by by what he did last year, then let's just call him Tom because they're being sort of petty. Um, yeah, no, nah, he's 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 fine. He's playing really well. I actually like Tommy Fleetwood above him. I mean, this is a course which is really hard to hit greens in regulation. The last, what, five events that he's played, you know, his uh, greens in regulation percentage is 60, uh, 65, 79, 84, 84, and 75. So, you know, he's been hitting a lot of greens. His ball striking has been really good. So I don't mind a bit of Tommy Fleetwood uh, as well as Daniel Berger. Where did the Tom Petty reference come from? I didn't see that one coming. I might. I thought of it like five seconds ago. <laughs> the old spur of the moment. That's the uh, entertainment value that we bring to the table <laughs> on uh, Tuesday nights. You All missed right. my Amazing Grace reference, though, too. Oh, I totally missed that. <laughs> right, what did you say? Oh, if you could uh, improve on 10th, it would be amazing. I, I totally missed that. <laughs> I, I would not have, you could have mentioned that to me 10 times. I probably wouldn't have caught that. <laughs> so good, Matt. All right. Uh, low 8K guys, uh, Fleetwood, Burger, Thomas, Norrin, Leishman, Zach Johnson, any of those guys interest you, Debo? I don't want Zach Johnson. Period? Yeah, but all the rest of them I absolutely love. Like, you take those five guys, Paul Casey, you got a lineup. That'll obviously be duplicated, but uh, I mean, Fleetwood, his form has been absolutely insane. He's long and strong off the tee. The game strokes like crazy. Berger, same exact story. Justin Thomas, people think he's wild off the tee, but he's actually been pretty strong, both strokes gained off the tee and strokes gained approach this year. Norin is a guy that nobody wanted to play last week, still went out and put up a good show. Uh, he is long and accurate and probably going to be the least popular of all these guys. Uh, Leishman is fantastic, and he's good in the wind, and he's probably going to be popular. He's been touted a lot lately, and he has not let anybody down for a long time. Um, if I find out any one of these guys is going to be super chalk, then I'm probably going to just fade them because I love this entire bunch right here. And there's no reason to take one of them. That's chalk when all the rest of them are basically just as good. Uh, but yeah, these five guys are going to make the core of my lineup. Yeah. We don't have any of those guys in kind of like the top nine or 10 in ownership with Leishman then checking in as the most popular uh, projected just, own guy. Just but. curious ownership angle. Who's going to be more popular, Noron or Zach Johnson? I don't think either of them really are going to be super popular. Yeah, and I was just going to say, I have a feeling uh, Zach's going to be less on, I was just going to say. But uh, 
yeah, no, I, I got no interest in Zach either. Not here. This is a the, yeah, big boy par 70 course. Uh, although Zach's played fairly well over his last couple of tournaments, I just don't think this is the week to uh, to bust him out in your DFS lineups. But he has three, at least three top tens here. That surprises me. It really does. Of course, I, you know, the, some of these places where he's had good results, maybe not necessarily every time, but uh, the win at the Masters and uh, the course that he won, was that St. Andrews that he won the Open? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were supposed to be long there, right? You know, right. Yeah. I mean, he just, if he's dialed in with his irons, I, I suppose he's fine. But I don't know. I just, I can never pull the trigger on these types of courses with Zach Johnson. Probably a little bit of personal bias in there, but uh, yeah, it is what it is. I mean, if, if, uh, was it KJ Choi can compete at Torrey Pines, then anyone can compete anywhere. You know, I've always said it, you know, if you're playing your game, better than everyone else is playing their game you have an ability to compete every week and like you said zach has to be really good with his irons to sort of compete at this course but i was surprised to see at least three top tens for him at this course yeah i had i did not have any i wouldn't have ever guessed that because i really didn't look at him at all this week i just kind of passed him over i just clicked on it i saw the list Pick it up, spit it out there. But yeah, no, he actually, he's played this tournament uh, 13 times. He's got four top tens. A lot of experience here, too. Certainly doesn't hurt. But uh, he's 8K. Below him, we get uh, surprising to see Phil there at 7,900. Cabrera Bayo also at 7,900. and Reed, Westwood. I mean, with the field this week, he's still got uh, some pretty good golfers in, the, in this range. So, Gib, uh, let's lead off the high 7K guys with you. Uh, I like uh, Rafael Cabrera-Bello, but I think everyone's starting to like him a little bit. So, you know, he was always sort of a wild card uh, earlier in the season, but everyone's catching on. Don't really like Phil. Uh, I gave Louis my love, and he uh, he broke my heart. So he's, that was a disaster at the Open. Uh, that, he's that back in my doghouse uh, right there with uh, Bryson. They could uh, do math equations together. Uh, Patrick Reed, I got no love for, but I sit there and I look at Bubba. And it's risky. It's just a GPP play for me, but he's got sprinkles of top tens throughout the year. He's got long periods of, you know, being somewhat mediocre. It'd be really nice to hit Bubba in a top 10 out of the blue. He's had some good course history here. If he can just get all four rounds together. Get That's his, a big uh, if. Yeah, yeah. These, uh, it's ironic that it's called Firestone because that's just exactly how he blows up, just like a dragon and, you know, fire everywhere. That's his mentality, it seems like, these days. So, you know, I'm, I'm you know, putting in a GPP, GPP team. I might throw Bubba on there just in case I just strike it lucky. You know, you've got to take some chances on a, on a, in a field like this. He is, you know two-time major winner so if he can just work things out he's got the distance and he has the course history you know if i can catch lightning in a bottle with bubba i i might just throw him out there but you know it is risky and it does worry me uh but you know play your own risk type thing it's almost like the uh, organizers of the organizers of the tournament uh, just kind of threw all these guys they got to the end of the alphabet and they were like whatever we'll throw you together uh the 7:50 a.m. group off the 10th tee is Jimmy Walker, Danny Willett, and Bubba Watson. So the three W players going off together: Walker, Willett, and Watson. Which uh, 
Notorious also dubbed on Twitter this afternoon the if you're not finishing first, you're finishing last group uh, because they all tend to uh, collapse at times. But uh, yeah, I thought that 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 uh, pairing there, Walker, Willett, and Watson was uh, interesting mainly because of the W's, but uh, some boomer bust plays in that group for sure. I wish Bubba was a little bit cheaper with that uh, that form, but you know, 7,700 again, and price is kind of. I don't want to say irrelevant, but less important yeah. this week, you know, because uh, you'll see some people leaving some money on the table too, to uh, kind of differentiate their GPP lineups a little bit. Uh, all right, let's move through the uh, rest of the seven K options here. Any of these high end seven K guys that you like uh, Devo and you can move on to anybody that you like in there. Yeah, I agree with Gibbs assessment on RCB precisely. I think he's a great fit for this course. His form is impeccable. He's even played here once to get the never have played here narrative out of his back. And I think a lot of people will gravitate towards RCB, especially over these guys like Lefty and Usti and Reed, whose approach game has been terrible. Westwood's kind of interesting, definitely more interesting to Watson. And I think a lot of people will like J.D. Holmes here, which also could be a mistake because he tends to spray it into the woods from time to time. So I'm just going to kind of fade all these guys. I'm not terribly interested in any of them because I like a handful of them in the mid-7K range, uh, starting with Gary Woodland, who was rather excellent last week and has a pretty phenomenal combination of course history and form, uh, plus total driving is a very strong suit of his. I think that Charlie Hoffman is going to be chalk, taking some pressure off of Woodland's ownership, and there's enough options here that I don't really worry about him necessarily being chalk. So he's my first pick in the mid-7K ranges. Yeah, finally, you know, we talked about the baby narrative a couple weeks ago. His wife gave birth to their uh, child after losing the other of their twins a few months back, and that that would take some pressure off of him and the form would return, and a fourth place finish last week after a lot of made cuts, but, but nothing really to show for it in terms of strong finishes uh, fired a second round 63 last week uh, to vault up the leaderboard and then played solid golf on the weekend to finish inside the top five. Uh, Kevin chapel, I think is another name that will get some attention. He also played well last week, breaking a streak of a couple missed cuts with an eighth place finish. So he's there at 7.5 K two uh, Woodland who. Uh, Devo mentioned, I do agree that Charlie Hoffman will uh, will get some ownership, especially coming off of that playoff loss last week. His recent form has been pretty good. Uh, Gib, what are your thoughts on this kind of mid to lower 7K range? So for the British Open, my hot take was Gary Woodland would top 10. He did not top 10, and I did not roster him last week, and I was upset with myself. I was uh, having a bad day on Friday afternoon, work-related, and so me and my mate went down to the pub, I had a few beers in the afternoon, some cheeky beers, and we turned, we had them turn on the golf. And I just looked at Gary Woodland's scorecard. I'm like, yep. It was pretty, it was pretty nice on Friday. He, uh, he had some circles on there. Yeah. I was sitting there and I looked at my mate. He's like, yep, it's about right. <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm afraid if I take Gary Woodland, he's going to finish 70th again. So uh, I just can't get that man uh, straight these days. So I don't know. I might roster him. I might not. I do like Hoffman, but I think everyone else will. Chapel's another player who I uh, have highlighted as well. You know, if I want to go for a distance player among this sort of price range, I might look at Chris Wood. Uh, I think he might go very low owned. And so 
he, he'll be a wild card in, in, in my mind. But the man I, I, I sort of like, he's a known name, but he's been playing big in some big tournaments. And that is Xander Sheffley. Sheffley. I was in Australia when he won at the Greenbrier. So, you know, I don't really know how to pronounce his name that right. But a fifth at the US Open and I think 20th at the Open Championship and a win in between. I mean, that's some some pretty decent form coming into it. So, you know, he's priced the same as Thomas Peters, who is, you know, he, he can be a DFS darling as well uh, on the Euro Tour. So um, I think some ownership might be uh, sort of split, and I think he might go low-owned. What are you guys' thoughts on that? On who? Shoffley being low-owned yeah. or Peters? Uh, Shoffley. Yeah, I think Peters will be higher-owned than Shoffley for sure. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. We have Shoffley sitting at 6% at projected ownership right now and Peter's at uh, eight and a half. So uh, I do think that, that that figure on Peter's is probably a little bit low. I think you'll see that rise as we get closer to Thursday. He's getting some buzz. Um, and I put Peter's in my video this week. So he'll, he'll get some attention for sure, uh, but certainly can't complain with the form uh, with Shoffley. And he's a very sp- soft-spoken guy. They could hardly get him to say boo in his uh, post game or post round interview at the Greenbrier after his win. So, uh, and then of course, Gib, uh, your, your buddy, Charles Schwartzel is there at 7,200 as well. I don't know why he's always my buddy. He, that, that that moniker is just, it's uh, entrenched until the end of time now. Yeah. I've always just embrace said, it. I've always had nice things to say about Charles. Uh, but yeah, no, and yeah, that's another reason why Alexander is, you know, you got child there and you got Kisner. And so people are like, why am I going to spend money on this guy when I can go to child or, 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 or Kisner there? So I, I don't mind child. He's a ball striker. He's putting always lets him down, but you know, it doesn't seem like he's been having a great year this year. So I'm a bit hesitant. So you know, I might play more contrarian. Uh, Ross Fisher is another player who, you know, I, I might be interested. i got Chow, Ross, and Kisner all highlighted as okay plays. But, you know, Ross is being played pretty well, and I think he's going to be very low owned. So I, I don't hate that play. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of ways you can go to kind of differentiate in here. Uh, the question becoming, you know, if you're going stars and scrubs, you're going to see a lot of people going down here. If you're going balanced, uh, maybe not a lot of not not a lot of those people are are heading towards uh, this range of picks. Anybody else in the seven uh, Ks that you're finding a fancy for uh, Devo? Yeah, I'm gonna agree with Chapel, uh, but I don't think he's gonna be very popular. He was 10% ish last week after his back to back missed cuts. Not so sure an eighth is gonna be enough to really change that too much with all these other distractions around him. Uh, Chris Wood is interesting to me. I'm going to dig into him a little bit. Seventh four years ago in his maiden appearance here. Uh, 14th at the Open. Uh, second after some miscuts and withdraw in between. So it seems like an excellent GPP play there. That's not going to be on many people's radars. Thomas Peters is my favorite of the bunch. The Belgian bomber hits the ball an absolute mile. Uh, he has not necessarily been in the best form, and he's never played here. So hopefully that keeps his ownership down. But I do agree with you, Justin. I think he's going to get talked up enough that he's probably a little bit too popular. Um, yeah, I mean, assuming that ownership stays down on some of these guys, like that's kind of where the list ends for me. Um, I like Xander Shoffley's form, but I'm kind of spooked off by his Vegas odds being like, 
more than double that of Peters at the same price, which will probably really swing ownership to Peters. Maybe the play is uh, putting money on Shoffley to win. What's he at? Do you have that up? Like 125. And comparatively, a guy like Peters is? 50, 60, depending on the book. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a diff- That's quite the difference there. And, and Shoffley doesn't get kind of that outside of DFS, doesn't get a lot of public recognition, obviously. Not a ton of people know who he is. Uh, there's other names in here. Again, you start to get into those, you know, triple-digit odds here when you get to um, the below 7K guys. But uh, we still got Weisberger and Sullivan, uh, Euro Tour, uh, Fitzpatrick, Hat, and guys that play on the Euro Tour a little bit more. Uh, Grillo and, and Haas, you know, your lower upside kind of PGA Tour guys, Horschel. Uh, Molinari seems a little cheap to me at 6.8K. Of course, you got last week's winner, Vegas. Um, Stanley, Brendan Steele in the high 6Ks. Uh, Jimmy Walker at 6.5K you know, seems a little cheap this week. So uh, you do have some names in here, but again, if you're taking more of a balanced approach, probably not a lot of guys that you feel the need to, that you have to go down to this kind of depths to get. Uh, Gib, you got any of the, any of these, uh, those names that I just mentioned kind of uh, stand out to you? Um, yeah, I don't mind Sullivan, Weisberger, and Grillo uh, at the 7K, 6.9K. Grillo, I think, came uh, 14th here in his uh, maiden, maiden start uh, last year. So, you know, it, though last year, I mean, had some of the top European players play, maybe that would be a different outcome. So, you know, but that being said, you play the tournaments you play. Um, yeah, I, I just don't like a lot of the options here outside of Sullivan, Weisberg, and Grillo. And Kyle Stanley might be a, a, an interesting option. He's going to be very low owned. Uh, he missed the cut at the British Open, but, you know, he's he's hits greens in regulation. He's, you know, he's got the stats for it. So I don't mind him as, as a play down at uh, 6.7K. Yeah, I'd be interested to see where his ownership kind of falls uh, between that and our projections have him really high right now. Uh, I don't think he's going to be that popular, but uh, it'll be interesting to see where he falls when the uh, lineup's locked on Thursday morning. Um, and let's see, I had brought up the tee times. I'm going to do that just uh, again here. And then uh, I've got one more name that I like, and we'll uh, maybe briefly touch on the PGA Championship next week. Uh, anybody else that stands out to you, Gib, as a value? Uh, well, other than those uh, going further down. McKenzie- yeah, wherever you want to go is fine. Uh, Mackenzie Hughes seems like he's uh, sort of getting his confidence back. He won. I'm going to break in because that's the last guy I was going to mention, but uh, go ahead, finish what you're going to say about him first, and then I'll talk about it. I'll I'll let you talk about him, but I I like him. And then Hudson Swafford, Lee Hudson Swafford, um, you know, he's hits at a ton. He's been hitting uh, greens and regulation pretty well uh, over the last couple of weeks. So, his form seems to be coming back, so I don't hate him in a non-cut event. You know, you, 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 at this price, you want them sort of scoring up there in the top 20, and there's no reason why he can't have a cheeky top top 20. So other than that, I mean, I'll, I'll go further down, see if I like it. No, nope, don't. So, yeah, it's those two, the last two on my list. Uh, saw an interesting nugget in a Q&A session that uh, the PGA Tour had on this on their site with Mackenzie Hughes. Uh, Mackenzie Hughes actually went to college at Kent State, and Kent State is in Akron, so uh, that's uh, or, or near not in Akron, but near Akron. 
um, in the same conference, uh, Akron and Kent State, and all those uh, schools are in the MAC. So uh, when you're go- you know, you golf, you travel around, and uh, you got a chance to play uh, Firestone a-, a few times. So um, not a ton, uh, according to the interview, and I linked the interview in my article uh, this week. But uh, you know, the Gib hit that the the form is trending in the right direction, and I mean, he's mega cheap. He's min salary. I think he's forty five hundred on on Fanduel. So if you're looking for a complete punt. Um, I, I think Mackenzie Hughes is uh, is a little, at least a little interesting. And, and with the no-cut format, I mean, it doesn't necessarily hurt to take a, a chance because as Devo hit on earlier in the show, it's not, you know, a, a format where the uh, the top scorers are, are going to be um, that much different from the guys, you know, the lower-end guys because there is no cut. And there's also not going to be a, a ton of birdies this week. So now I'm going to, I have to Google now to see how close Kent, Ohio, where Kent state is located uh, and Akron are 20 minutes. So, yeah. So he grew up in Toronto, played the Canadian open. Now he went to college in Kent, which is in Akron. So he's just uh, home cooking galore right now. Yeah. Yeah. 20 minutes away from uh, where he went to college. So, and again, he's played it a few times. So even though he's a first timer for this event, uh, at least he has seen the course, and uh, and that certainly can't hurt things. So if you're looking for a super punt, uh, don't mind Mackenzie Hughes a little bit this week as well. Uh, Devo, anything else for this week? Um, no, I mean, there's just so many names down here that have been DFS darlings over the day. I would just say caution the statistics that you're looking at because these guys scheme strokes over weak fields, and this is far, far, far from a weak field. So keep that in mind. Also keep in mind the guys that pop on Fantasy Labs are probably going to be a little bit more popular this week. Yeah, for sure. Keep an eye on the uh, the buzz as we head towards Thursday if you're going to play the ownership angle. Uh, next week is the uh, PGA Championship at uh, Quail Hollow, and uh, that used to be the site of the uh, Wells Fargo for a long time. And I don't believe it's ever – hosted a major right um it might have like an amateur or you know a senior I, it's going to be uh hosting i think the uh president's cup uh, soon too so so i mean they didn't play the they didn't play the wells fargo championship here this no, year they so. they they were getting it ready for this uh tournament so now getting it ready does that mean it had to be made significantly harder or what does that mean by a, i don't know the usga is not involved with it so i don't <laughs> think they were trying to get it really hard but you know just setting it up for a major so yeah it doesn't uh it doesn't seem like they have ever hosted a major there before. no i was just looking at that as well yeah. no so um, yeah. Wells Fargo, which was previously the Wachovia championship uh, from 2003 to 2016. So that'll be next week. Go ahead, Gib, if you got something. But else. I wonder, I mean, Ricky Fowler won his first ever PGA Tour event at Wells Fargo at Quail Hollow. Can he actually win his first major <laughs> at the same venue? You'll put an asterisk beside it if he does. It wasn't a real major championship venue <laughs> if, uh, it, you know, if Fowler ends up winning. But it'll be interesting to see. Who wins this week uh, with the WGC Bridgestone heading into Quail Hollow, uh, which is in Charlotte next week. So kind of, uh, you know, fairly close proximity. Not like people are going to be traveling cross-continent for next week's event. So that's next week. 
Until then, we wish you the best of luck in all your contests. Be sure to check out all of our great content here at Roto Grinders for the uh, PGA on DraftKings and uh, FanDuel. So good luck in your contest this week, everybody. And we will see you one week from now at 745. Good luck, everybody. The all-new Toyota RAV4 asks, what if? What if your ride was refined and rugged at the same time? Introducing the all-new RAV4 Hybrid. 208 combined horsepower and standard all-wheel drive make it the most powerful RAV4. Plus, with its head-turning style and breakaway speed, it's bound to change the way you think of a hybrid. The all-new RAV4 Hybrid. Toyota. Let's go places. Horsepower. Ratings achieved using the required premium and gasoline with an octane rating of 91 or higher. Premium fuel is not used. Performance will decrease. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. The moon. Yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations.